Welcome to Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. I'm David Klink. And I'm Troy Harkin. And this is our second part of looking at The Thing. John Carpenter's Thing from 1982. We gave a history in the first one, so go back to that if you if you like, because it'll give you all the lowdown. Yep, and- we have two special guests, Karen Klink and Sandra Kasturi, and we already did their bios in the first um episode welcome back carolyn and sandra hello welcome so good that you made it back um we've all survived as far as we know um is it it us though who knows (laughs) (laughs) the break was was a few minutes but somehow both uh, sandra and carolyn left the room and i'm not sure if both of them or one of them is the thing now yeah probably both are I remember learning I, about. Sorry, go ahead, Carolyn. Oh, I, I don't know where to put this in, but I forgot to to show one of my and and tell one of my thing. Rob just brought me back this Frozen Hell. I have that. Oh, the, nice. the sequel, John John Campbell's sequel to the thing, and he literally brought it back last night, so I have not had a chance to crack it open and look at it. But I thought I I never knew that John Campbell wrote a sequel to the thing. Well, to yeah. you know, who goes there. Yeah, so wow. I shall read this, this, this now. Is, this was this was like this was like found footage almost. I remember because they they uh, they did a Kickstarter for it, and I supported the Kickstarter, so I got one of the early editions of that. And I was going to read it, and uh, completely did not. So there you go. <laughs> now I assume he's no longer with us, right? Oh no. Yeah. So this is this is an old reprint, like like it's a new edition of an old story. Okay, and and was it actually published, or was it sort of like a trunk novel type of thing that was found posthumously? Let's see if it tells me in here. I think it was posthumous. I think it had been lost. I believe that was the thing. That was the thing. The thing. There we go. Have a drink, please. Let's That's part of what we're doing. Yes, or indulge in whatever sort of. Uh, indulgence my god i don't feel like a poet when i say things like that Mm -hmm. um yeah just drink all right just drink and shut up um yeah i think in uh in part one we certainly concentrated more on the 82 film which is fine but one of the things that's important about these kinds of shapeshifter or the things where things get it where you don't know if it's been taken over whoever that person is in the same room and they do have a wonderful scene in the 2011 uh film um where a couple characters step away from the others and you suddenly realize something's going on there is that there are different ways of trying to determine it um and in the 82 one it was that hot poker thing in the blood 
I like what they did in the 2011 film. Um, and of course, in something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you couldn't take on like like these the lack of emotion. So in in a moment with Kevin McCarthy in that film, he kisses, um, I guess his um, wife or his um, uh, special friend, and it and he realizes no, she's been taken she's over. She's fallen asleep, yeah. and yeah, she's a pod person now. And I was wondering if there are other ways of determining whether or not someone is who they say they are. Hmm. Like if they we just were, did that. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, they just did that on Picard. Picard. Oh, Carol, did. What did you say? No spoilers they on Picard. They just did that on Picard. Oh, and I, I, that is all I. But how to determine that someone is who they are? And uh, they're doing it with memories, you know. Do you remember this? You know, what did I, what you know in in 1982? What did I tell you? You know, blah blah blah. And it's like, okay. but of course, if the, if the, if the thing absorbs you entirely, do they make clear? I don't know that they really make clear if the thing absorbs all your memories and thoughts as well. Like it's mimicking you. They can speak whatever language you speak, but does it has it absorbed everything you know? I'm not sure. Do we know yeah, that? That's the great thing about it. I think that we don't. Like, there's a lot that that we don't know. And even listening to uh, Carpenter uh, and uh, Kurt Russell talk about the film as they were watching it, they said, like, even as they were shooting it, they w- would discuss, you know, do you think this person is the thing now? This and they would make <laughs> cases for it, and but they, but it was never definitive. You know, it was like right. we never. Like, at know. what point do they change? Yeah, because you know you're so sure that um, uh, uh, Richard Mazur's character—I've uh, forgotten his name now—they uh, uh, they are somewhat interchangeable. Um, but he loves the dogs, and uh, you think he's Clark. Clark, yeah. when when the dog is the husky is walking around like with purpose. That's what's so creepy about it. It looks mm. like he's got motivation and and will. And then he goes to the door. You see the shadow. Um, you know, if it's Clark's shadow. And you're like, oh, he's got him now. He's got him. But in fact, later, when they test Clark's blood, he wasn't. Right. He hadn't been turned. Yeah. So the question is, why wasn't he turned? Because he liked dogs. That's right. He's a dog person. Yeah. Whatever remained of the dog loved him, although it's a new dog. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, th- I think that is really the the core horror of the thing is that despite all of the um, body horror, the, the real terror behind it is the identity, losing your identity. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, it's almost like it could now be told as um, sort of a parable for Alzheimer's or something where it seems to be that as it absorbs you, it's a gradual thing and you don't know what's happening. You know, you are not aware it's happening. Um, and that's really horrific. Yeah. And the science is a bit interesting how they, especially that animation in the 82 film, which was not the greatest. Um, but then, of course, some of these films have that, that, you know, like in 79 and Alien, and you've got these computers and the screens, which just look awful based on the fact that you've got this spaceship that can go to other planets. And we've got this awful 1978 computer. Uh, graphic, but them able to figure out it's imitating these things and how they do it was was quite neat. Have you, uh, Sandra and Carolyn, have have you both seen the thing uh, prequel 
uh, I guess I think I think I saw that when it first came out. But um, I remember liking it, and I liked how it dovetailed into uh, the 1982 version. Um, I did. I had trepidations about it because I thought, ah, oh, don't ruin the thing by doing this because the thing is perfect as it is. We don't need anything else. Um, but I remember liking it. I didn't love it like I love the thing. Right. But now, you know, honestly, I remember very little about it. And I actually, I did not bother rewatching it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think um, David and I quite like it. We're not, uh, it's not our favorite thing. Ha, huh, did not mean to do that. <laughs> but um, it's, it's funny because it's kind of hated. You know, like I've noticed online, although God, you know, everything's hated online. Um, mm-hmm. People really don't seem to like the film. They, they don't like the, the, I mean, you're not going to make a film in this era and not use CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people don't like the CGI and they wish there was more practical, even though supposedly there was a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that, um, I, I was happy to see it. I was really happy with the attention to detail. Um, that the filmmakers made to sort of give it filmically the look of the original. Yeah. Uh, like they, they really, if you watch them back to back, it's pretty cool. Like they do look like they're using the same film stock and whatnot. And a lot of the, uh, I almost said things, a lot of cases. Um, and they, it's a, the, it's a perfect prequel. At the beginning of the 82 film, there's a dog being chased yeah, by the from Norwegian. the Norwegian camp. And this one ends, it's just like one of those Star Wars prequels that ends with the ship being attacked and them trying to get the plans. Uh, you know, it's just like the perfect thing where the actual end of the film is the beginning of the Carpenter film. Definitely. So my question is, with the, they're, they're in the helicopter, they're shooting at the dog. What happens when they shoot the dog? Is the dog going to die? Probably not, but it would, in theory, I guess, slow it down so they could torch it. I mean, I would maybe because I think the whole point was they had to they had to torch it to kill it. But yeah, I was I was always like, why are they trying to shoot the? Yeah, but they also had some you know what's on it some some gasoline some stuff that also exploded in the. That's true. Yeah, because that's what ended up blowing them up by accident. But I I guess that yeah, because you can't. I mean, the flamethrower is not going to reach that far. My husband made the comment that, you know, if that Norwegian had better aim, you wouldn't have had this. <laughs> oh. no, I felt the same way. But, hey, here's the thing. Perhaps the, the the Norwegian that survives, and I forget who it is, you know, isn't a marksman. Maybe he's just a dude who has a gun and now he's in a, fly, in a yeah. helicopter, mind you, which can't yeah. be easy. Yeah. Um, well, it's a moving target as well. You yeah. Know, that's, that's tough. Yeah. Um. I noticed on one of the early trailers uh, for the film, it it has the tagline, which was not used, like, I think, after this, this immediate uh, trailer run. The, the the line was, man is the warmest place to hide. Oh. <laughs> which, which I kind of thought was funny and a little bit porny. But uh, anyway, so man That's is... That's also beautifully grotesque. I love yeah. that. So I tried to come up with like another type of uh, bad tagline and, and mine was you are what you eat. Ah. Uh, the film is screened annually in February to mark the beginning of winter at the Amundsen Scott South Pole station. And That's I thought, amazing. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, although I I've think... I've always it, wanted to go to Antarctica, so if I go, I would like to go then and watch the thing there. If I could yes. ever find a way to get to... I don't think you can just go. I think you have to be part of a scientific expedition, so I don't know. Maybe they, yeah. have, they invite poets to Antarctica. I'm sure there's a... There must be grant money for oh, that. Oh, sure. There you go. <laughs> I would Maybe. only want to go there if I can go into one of these, you know, in, in snow at my height. Go yeah. into this room, go into this little thing with, with some military people who yell at me, close the door. Uh, that would be beautiful. Yeah. I just realized the Big Bang Theory really missed out on an opportunity because they did do a, a sort of a, a, a season ending storyline where they, they all went to either the North or South Pole. Oh, that's so, right. So they really missed out on the opportunity to have an it reference. Um, oh, they should have. Speaking of other filmic sort of, I guess, uh, tie-ins, um, also in John Carpenter's Halloween, um, the thing from another world, the original version there is playing on TV in the house that Laurie Stroud is babysitting in. Ah, that's great. I, I never noticed that. Yeah. And, but that's how much he loved the film before he actually got to, uh, make his own version. So here's a goofy one for you that I'll throw out there quickly. And then, then we can bring it back with some more serious stuff, perhaps. I don't know. Um, I have a thing called the, <laughs> the everything super team up. So it would feature, it would be like a superhero film that would have Ben Grimm of the fantastic, fantastic four, AKA the thing, um, versus the thing from another world, um, with swamp thing. And man thing as well as one superhero thing team. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. And I don't know how that would play out if, if like the thing started like taking over like the thing from Fantastic Four or the Swamp <laughs> thing. Troy, did you include thing from what was it? Oh, no. Or Adam's family. What Adam's was the, family thing? Yes. Adam's let's get, get, get him in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was a car called the thing. Do you remember that in the seventies? No. Anybody? No, there was. I think Bueller? it was made. It might have been made by Jeep, but it was a sort of militaristic-looking, boxy car, and it was just called the thing. There's a crazy new thing from Volkswagen that comes with the top up, with the top down, with the doors off, with the windshield down. A car that feels at home wherever you feel at home. A car you can dress up after you get it to look any way you want it. A car that can be anything can only be called The Thing by Volkswagen. I think, Carolyn, you wanted to add Dr. Seuss. Yes, that's right. Thing one and thing thing two. two. That's right. That would be cool. That would be be super cool. Greatest movie ever. Because I remember when Thing One and Thing Two were like throwing that pink goo around, and that could be the thing. Yeah, and you'd have George Carlin narrating it about Ah. where do you keep your things? (laughs) Yeah, or Boris Karloff, maybe. Why is everything out there called the thing, which is something that I think McCoy said in one of the, in um, Star Trek, the, um, the motion sickness or whatever that film is. <laughs> and you can't, uh, what is it? You can't have everything. Where would you put it? Yes. That's right. Oh, Carolyn, maybe you want to show us what the thing you have to your side. 
there or tell us about it. It's, 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 okay. uh, yeah, I know. it's, no, it's, not, it's, a video. it's not show okay. and tell. It is for us, but for every, right. everybody but else, it's just tell. We'll describe it for you. Available, at least when I got it at Toys R Us. She's picking up a box and holding it to the I'm camera. I'm picking up a box. It says the thing. On the cover, it's McCready. And it says the thing, Ultimate McCready Station Survival. So here you have McCready figure. You've and that, got. And that looks like about a. Is that an eight inch figure, I would say? More like seven, I would say. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's got a flamethrower. It's got the flame. Whoa. It's got another head where he's wearing like this blue um, winter toque thing. He's also got what I love is he's got the little roll of wire. He's got the little uh-huh. Petri dish with blood in it. Oh, and then he's got an sick. extra piece. So you can put this extra little um, exploding blood into your Petri dish. Love it. Uh, oh, a bunch okay. of different hands, etc. And on the back, you get I love that it has a spare head. That's fantastic. Yes, a spare yeah. head. Five hands. It's not even six or four, but five. So it just oh, kind of yeah. shows you on the back uh, the various different ways you can assemble your action figure here. Uh, if only they, if, if only they had like the spider legs and you could put the head on top of it too. That would ah, be kind of cool. That would be so good. That would be yeah, cool. Spare head is so, it's so Ozma of Oz. Yeah. Oh, and there's also the dynamite that he uses to, uh, you know, try and get them not to kill him. Uh, who else is in here? Uh, there's a revolver and there's, oh, a pickaxe is in here. So, yeah, so my husband bought me this because of my love for the thing. You have a good husband. Yeah, you do. I do. I do. And I'll show the other, the last thing I brought. What is that thing? This is the 4K steel case version of the thing from Shout Factory. Oh. And my issue is they decided, oh, they decided they, they needed to do a new graphic for it. Yeah. And honestly, I just love the original graphic so yeah. much that yeah. this is just a little gaudy, a little possibly pulp, pulpish look. Sure. To, yeah. Do they have the, because I know what Show Factory often does is um, it'll come in the slip case of the original and then you'll pull it out and it will have the new art. Did you, do you still have the slip um, case of the original or no? I, I have the slip case somewhere. Okay. I've just got this on the fridge and it's got just on the inside. It has a little quote that says somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. Nice. And that's a double disc. eh? Yes. I think it's got, I think it came with um, the 4k and the Blu-ray. Okay. And, and what kind of special even, features? Yeah. And there's a third disc. I don't know. A third disc. Wow. All that stuff is out there. But I don't think it's got anything beyond special features that would have been with the Blu-ray. Okay, so can Dave and I come over soon? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> we should have a thing slumber party. Oh, we that should would have be great. Thing. But you know what? Triple, triple feature, all thing, all the time. I will. I'll let our listeners know that what is sort of ironic is originally 
we were thinking about doing this uh, like even just a few weeks ago when it was still freezing cold. And the day that we are recording this, it is, where did I get it? I had 25 degrees Celsius where I am, which is for folks who don't do Celsius, 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but so if we have a slumber party, we have to do it in the winter or something where we can replicate cold, even if we like put the air conditioning on really high, um, you know, and just yeah, wear a t- yeah, yeah. Or just wear a t-shirt and like shorts and an air conditioning and things like that. Um, to make it super cold. I, I also wanted to let folks know that the thing is the first film in Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, uh, which features the Prince of Darkness and the Mouth of Madness, which was shot all around the GTA. Um, I have one Beatleism for you, Dave, if you'd like that now. Knowles is playing Stevie Wonder's Superstition on his boombox in the gallery and is asked for some ungodly reason to turn it down by Bennings. Um, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney released their hit single, Ebony and Ivory, god-awful song, in 1982. So the same year as The Thing. Now that scene feel would feel very different if Ebony and Ivory were playing instead of uh, uh, Superstition. But what I realized after I made that note was clearly Nulls is the thing because what sane human being asks to turn down Stevie Wonder's superstition? Nobody. It's a giveaway. <laughs> Even if you've been shot that day, as he says. Oh, too funny. Well, I wanted to mention, um, as I talked to you, uh, early. one of one of my favorite uh, things uh, is, of course, uh, the Lee Hardcastle claymation short, Thingu. Uh, which is so funny, and it's basically what he's done is taken the characters from Pingu, but done put them into the thing, and so it's really short. It's under two minutes, but it is the entire movie of the thing in claymation with penguins. It's so great. No, no. I highly recommend you can find it on YouTube. Uh, although apparently he got into a lot of trouble for it and it was constantly being taken down and he was asking people to share it. But I think it's uh, now it's easy to find. I think I guess uh, uh, Universal was really anti having this up, but it's it's an homage to the thing. You can't not love it. Yeah, I really wanted to thank you for uh, tipping us off on that recently, Sandra. I think I had seen it. It feels like I'd seen it like years ago but i'd forgotten about it and it's probably going to be my favorite thing of this year <laughs> um and i was actually going to pass on a recommendation to the listeners they can yeah look for you know just pingu's the thing or aka thingu as well if they want to find it on youtube it's but it comes up pretty easily yeah and there's even this little thing as part of it where they mention a little tweet or something from john carpenter uh saying how much he likes it oh that's oh awesome. really I realize that oh it would be great if he did a commentary on it that would be hilarious <laughs> him and kurt russell <laughs> yeah doing commentary on thing you that would be amazing well there are podcasts out there that do things like um where they look at a movie and they will do like five or ten seconds worth like they break it down into those increments and they spend one whole show talking about like 10 seconds so you could do thingu like that i suppose oh yeah i noted when i went through the credits 
who the editor of this film was, who was Todd Ramsey, whom we used to call the Butcher, because of um, Star Trek: The Motionless Picture, <laughs> also edited by him. So whenever we would see his name in the credits, we'd always of a movie. It's like the Butcher. So he edited the movie of the thing. Hmm. Oh. The, the thing turned out okay. So I know, I know. It was because they ran out of time on Star Trek the Motion Picture. But I just when I saw his name, I thought, wait, my favorite science fiction movie is edited by the Butcher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really it's one of those examples of how it takes a team, you know, uh, to make a great film. And I'm always amazed when I see people like, and I'm forgetting his name now, but the director who did um, Zardos and The Exorcist 2 um, also did um, Deliverance. Oh. You know, it's like, and even even um, Joel Schumacher, who did those god-awful Batman films, uh, also did Falling Down, which is one of my favorite films from the 90s. He also, he also did uh, Blood Creek with Michael Fassbender, which is great. And he also did the wonderfully charming and romantic Cousins, which has this fantastic Angela Badalamenti soundtrack. And it has Ted Danson, an actor I never really liked that much, but absolutely charming. And Isabella Rossellini is adorable. Um, and everyone panned it because it was a remake of the French Cousin Cousine, but they are very, very different movies because Cousin Cousine is, of course, a very French film and Cousins is a very American film. I wanted to give a hat tip um, as we're mentioning uh, sort of different aspects of the film um, to Ennio Morricone. Um, you know, one of the all-time best composers, um, movie score uh, writers, and um, it's just great that he was doing this film. Some people now think, well, why didn't John Carpenter do it? Because Carpenter is considered also one of the best uh, movie composers. But uh, according to, to Carpenter as well, he says, you know, Universal just had no interest. It's like, I wasn't that guy yet, you know. Um, it, it, he had done Halloween, but people weren't sort of even aware of that. And it wasn't really until around Christine that people were like, oh, he did it too. He did did, the, did his movie music here. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but people do comment on the fact that the music sounds like it's carpenter music. It doesn't it does. sound it, does. it doesn't sound like typical lush uh Ennio Morricone uh music. Uh any thoughts on on the score, folks? It was odd. You know, because I do have a preconception of of Ennio Morricone. I just, you know, know what I'm expecting to get. I'm, just, I'm expecting to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and and this is not it. But on the other hand, I look at lots of composers and, you know, like uh, John Williams even. You know, but I'm thinking uh, Jerry Goldsmith is what I'm thinking of. Yes. Who's very versatile. 
yeah. you know, there's just a whole bunch of different kinds of, of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, hats off to Ennio Marconi that he did something different. And one thing I wish I had done is uh, going to the subway at, at Woodbine Station, the Strathmore entrance, the thing, the entrance, automatic entrance made this weird squeaking and odd sound. I wish I had recorded it because it did sound like one of the things from the 82 uh, John Carpenter ah. film. It was quite beautiful. Dream casting. Yeah. Dream casting, baby. <laughs> if it's okay, David, I'll start and all four of us will give our responses for each role from the thing. Um, we're first tackling the idea of casting the leads from the film with the best possible actors and actresses who have ever lived. Uh, this is our dream cast. Thanks, Troy. Um, so, uh, Troy, uh, you'll go over the original roles and the actors that played them in the movie. We've reduced our list to six. So here are the six. So our lead is McCready, played by Kurt Russell, the computer that wore tennis shoes. Dr. Blair is played by Wilfred Brimley. Nalls is T.K. Carter. Palmer was played by David Clennon. Childs was played by Keith David. And uh, Dr. Copper was played by Richard Dysart. So what you got for McCready? For McCready, I have Ethan Hawke or a youngish Jeff Bridges, but I'm going to stick with Ethan Hawke because I think I've done Jeff Bridges too many times, so I won't go to that well again. So Ethan Hawke is my McCready, David. He was the guy in Gattaca, right? Yeah, yeah, and Dead Poets Society, and after, after no, before sunset, after sunset, those those I think films. That's a good yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Black Mask is it called? Yeah. Uh, and am I doing Doctor Blair now? Yeah, Doctor Blair Dreamcast. Okay, uh, I ha- I was between Helen Mirren or Stephen Root, and I'm going to go Stephen Root. Ooh, love Stephen Root. Yeah, you can do no wrong. Okay, so I went with actors and actresses who did not. I, I know it's, it's weird because usually Dreamcast, you just pick the best of all time. Who do you think would fit the role? And Schrodinger's is usually the connected weird one. But I decided to do a connected weird one with the Dreamcast of people who at the Oscars in 2023 were not mentioned in the in memoriam they somehow overlooked them so the people that were not mentioned in the in memoriam that i picked for mccready i picked Anne hache and for dr blair i picked paul sorvino oh paul sorvino you know that would work and and he's one of the uh great character actors one of those that guys you know Mm. I always liked him in the early Law and Order um, show. And then, Carolyn, did you have a dream? Um, I had a dream. Dream McCready. Okay, so what I had, what I I did something wrong here. I did the Schrodinger fine, but then I ended up for the dream cast, I actually ended up on Wikipedia. And looking at actors that had been considered for the roles. Oh, interesting. Sure. 
Wow. And so I did those ones. So as Troy said, Jeff Bridges was actually considered for the role of McCready. Nice. And yeah. where is Dr. Blair? Donald Pleasance. Oh, nice. And then we have the Carpenter connection, too. I think I think he likes to reuse people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he was great in um, Escape from New York, which is definitely, we have to do a podcast on Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. Escape from New York, Escape from L.A. And he's yeah, Dr. Loomis. You can't lose with his as, Dr. As, Loomis. As actually, Carpenter said he, in this little squib on Wikipedia, that he knew, the actors that he knew could handle this really tough film shoot. Yeah. You know, so he wanted to know who the actor was that he was casting in this film because it was such a tough shoot. Mm. And Sandra, what do you have for your uh, McCready and your Dr. Blair? Mm, I had um, it, I had a lot of uh, trouble because, you know, as you say, like the characters in many ways are almost not interchangeable exactly, but they seem to go together as a set. So I found that sort of difficult. But I decided to go, I was torn. For McCready, I would say um, Errol Flynn. Um, I think he'd be great. Um, but I also thought if you were going more modern times, Chris Evans, because he's a much better actor than anyone ever gives him credit for. And, um, like he managed to make Captain America, he made, he made Captain America really good. And Mm -hmm. that's a thankless role because it's hard to be sincere without seeming sugary or smarmy. And I think he has the physicality and also a bit of the insouciance and, uh, and is a smarter actor than anyone gives him credit for. So, you know, yeah. And Errol Flynn is just, well, Errol Flynn. Mm. And your Dr. Blair? Oh, um, David Strathairn. We got our next two are Knowles and Palmer. And do you have a dream uh, cast for those ones, Troy? I do. I have, uh, I was, I, I, you know, I often have two and I sort of narrow it down. I, I was originally between Snoop Dogg and Donald Glover. And I think I'm just going to go with Donald Glover because I don't trust Snoop's ability to stay away from the wacky tobacco while on set. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I'm on to Palmer, right? Mm. I went with Michael Richards from Seinfeld. Uh, so it'd be a younger version of that, but um, I think he's got the clearly the physicality for the role, and also I can imagine him. It's Palmer, isn't it, that delivers the line about the "You got to be fucking kidding me." Yes, like I can totally see Michael Richards saying that. So there you go. That's that's my two. Yeah. Now I've just picked again some um, actors or people in the the Oscars that didn't get their. Um, they're due recognition in the in memoriam. And so, um, and I can't tell you where they're all from and what various shows, but there was Ignacio Lopez Tarso for Nalls and for. So now, now tell us who that is for those of us like me who do not know who that. I, th- I think you're making that name up. So someone that was more known, I guess, in Mexico, uh, and maybe not as famous in, um, in uh, North America. 
I'll and tighten that up. You've got your Knolls and your Palmer. My Knolls is probably somebody nobody has ever heard of, but I did because back in the day, at the time this happened, he was actually a fairly famous comedian. But his name was um, almost cast, as they say. They interviewed him, and it turned out to be not a good fit. But his name was Franklin Ajayi. But uh, I remember seeing him on like comedy shows all the time. And uh, I don't know what happened to him, actually. I didn't look it up. And then Palmer, if you can believe it, Jay Leno. Huh. <laughs> That's too funny. Considered. Now, you have to think back to what Jay Leno looked like in 1980. He was a younger man. But it's like, because they thought he was like, you know, had, of course, funny. So they were looking at funny people. And he was one of them. Wow, very nice. I like this. These, uh, so I, I can't, yeah, that would be very cool about him uh, delivering that line and as Jay Leno delivering that line. That would be just great. And Sandra, what do you have for your oh, uh For Nalls, uh largely because he played the, exactly the same role in Deep Blue Sea, LL Cool J. Um, <laughs> so, because uh, he's a cook in that, and I felt like, well, Nalls is doing some of the cooking, you know, that seemed to fit. And uh, and then for Palmer, I had Hugh Laurie, um, although, you know, I thought you could have fun and reverse it and have Hugh Laurie as Nalls and LL Cool J as Palmer. And then finally, our final two for at least a dream cast are Childs and uh, from what I have here is Dr. Copper. Okay, well. Um, originally I was thinking Terry Crews, but I think I've used Terry Crews too often. So what I'm doing is going with a younger version than we're usually used to seeing, but a, a young Scatman Crothers, because I think Scatman deserves more. Let's give him more. Oh, I was like Scatman and I guess it was, uh, The Shining. Yes. Yeah. Where he has the, uh, the funkiest sense of, uh, in- interior design. Mm-hmm. Um, so are we, are we on to Dr. Cooper? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a young Kevin McCarthy, just as a sort of tie into the roots oh. of like 50 sci-fi and whatnot. Right. And so I'm going to go with a young, a youngish, you know, thirties ish Kevin McCarthy for my Doc Cooper. Yeah, yeah, and from it, I, um, unless I'm missing something, I do think it's copper, C O P P. Oh, sorry, copper. Yeah, so, yeah, is that uh, Tommy Copper? No, uh, played by yeah, that's a whole other thing. So, who was your um copper again for the Dreamcast? Uh, Kevin McCarthy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I think I've got, um. Again, someone that people may not be quite as familiar with, um, but was up and may have won an Oscar before, was up, or at least certainly nominated, was a Charles B. Dean. Charles B. Uh, Dean is a South um, African um, actress, fairly young and up and coming. And, sh- and she had passed away in August of 2022. 
And there were a number of people that thought that um, she should have got recognized, you know, again at the Oscars in the in memoriam. And Leslie Jordan, I think we all uh, know Leslie Jordan. Um, so we're on to the final two for the dream cast for Carolyn. What do you got for Childs and for Dr. Copper? Uh, Ernie Hudson. Mm. And uh, Brian Dennehy. Oh, nice. Very good one. I always wondered if Elizabeth Dennehy, who was in The Best of Both Worlds, not Best of Both, um, whichever one that had the Borg, and the season ender, two-parter, uh, Lieutenant Commander Shelby, uh, Elizabeth Dennehy, whether or not she was somehow related to Brian Dennehy, but just similar last name. I believe she was. I believe she was his daughter. Mm. But I could be completely wrong. That's the okay. thing about the podcast. It's like, are, are people going to really check what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, our uh, one listener, uh, Ted from Lindsay, or maybe it's Lindsay from the city called Ted. I'm not sure. Tedville. Uh, or, or, or Patrick or whomever it is would be able to call us on this. We also got a buzzer sound. If we ever make a mistake, Troy can actually add this um, sound. But um, now, Sandra, do you have your uh, child and your Dr. Copper? Uh, yes, I uh, thought I would go with um, uh, Idris Elba as Dr. Copper. Idris Elba as Dr. Copper and uh, Michael Fassbender as Childs. Um, but really, you can have it the other way too. I'm, I just, I'm happy to see them, either of them, in anything. So that's why Prometheus should have been my favorite movie of all time, but it was not. Yeah, and I'm still trying to understand that film. I've seen it four or five times. I'm still trying to understand. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> it's I like, just realized some point soon I'm doing an all Muppet Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've got Schrodinger's cat. This is outside the, the box, like really weird, sometimes connective. And I think, Troy, you were using some kind of a random generator. Yeah, I was using the random name generator 9000. All righty then. And who do you got for McCready and Blair for the Schrodinger's cast? Okay, here, what we have from the random name generator 9000 uh, is Antonio Fargus, Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch as McCready. That is outside the box. Yep. <laughs> and are you ready for my Dr. Blair? Oh, yeah. Uh, Linda Carter, Our Generation's Wonder Woman. Nice. Yeah. And again, this is just randomness. I have about, uh, uh, I put about 500 names into a uh, electronic hat and I use a, uh, basically a random number generator to pull from the names. And so we get who we get. Yeah. What do you and have, Dave? You remove them from the, once you. The list. Yeah. I remove them from the list. So. So previously, yesterday, uh, what did we have? You were uh, Bruce, not Bruce, um, Burt Reynolds played you, and Flip Wilson played me. And that was just all part <laughs> of the random name generator. Yeah. Wow. All righty. Okay, so for my um, uh, Schrodinger's cast, I just took the cast from one of the shows that Alexa liked to watch a lot, which was The Big Bang Theory. And so what I did was I picked 
actors from the Big Bang Theory to be actually in the Thing movie. So I had Johnny Galecki as McCready and Brian Posehn as uh, because some of these people weren't the regular top six or eight these were people that showed up a number of times so i had brian posein as dr blair oh love it and carolyn did you have a schrodinger's cast at all or yes i had a schrodinger's cast and mine are all from uh, the planet of the apes movies oh well done so of course it's charlton heston yes yes it's mccready perfect and uh, Maurice Evans as Dr. Blair. It's no wonder you and Robert are so happily married. <laughs> it's the apes that keep you together. I yeah. Know. Yes. For yeah. Sure. No more monkey business, but anyways. <laughs> um, Sandra, what do you got for your... Um, well, I went back and forth a bit because I was thinking of just... I wanted to have like uh, a whole bunch of like... Well, not terribly well-known actors um and you know like again those those who, who's that guy actor and i wish i'd said this one for my other my dream cast and xander berkeley my like and then uh christopher hivu you know tormund giantsbane from uh game of thrones i thought he would have been a good mccready but anyway <laughs> um and uh and i had like uh, linda hamilton as child and anyway but so what I decided to do instead, because I think this works actually pretty well, is to have all the James Bonds as the cast <laughs> of the thing. Mm. So for McCready, I have George Lazenby. Mm. And for uh, Dr. Blair, I have Roger Moore. Would Lazenby wear the kilt? Hmm. It could Perhaps. be like his his sombrero or whatever. His, his it would be he'd, he'd be wearing a plaid parka. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Looks look like a Bay City roller. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, with the 007 lineup, you're killing it. Oh, sorry, but anyway. <laughs> um, so Troy, what do you got for your Schrodinger's for Nalls and Palmer? Okay, this was, again, given to me by the random name generator 9000, but I actually like this. I I like that, you know, this is a guy who was always typecast, and this way he could stretch out a bit. Um, he was the mayor of Coog and the star of One Dark Night, as well as a little thing called Batman in the 60s. It's Mr. Adam West. Adam West, Adam West. A little bit softer now. Adam West, Adam West, Adam West, Adam West. I'll come out when they're all gone. Ah. As Nalls, Adam West as Nalls. Interesting. Very nice. And as uh, Palmer, um, I have, uh, you may remember this person from the 1976 Olympics, Romanian gymnast, five-time Olympic gold medalist, Nadia Comaneci, <laughs> as Palmer. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's. Wow. Imagine her, like, if she's got the thing in her, though, she could be doing the flips. Yeah, doing the flips could. and like things appendages ribs are sticking out of her and whatnot she would be perfect remember she's the one that had the first like perfect tens in the uh, competition yep mm-hmm. yep um, so that's me so i remember growing up with her and of course olga corbett in the 72 uh olympics yeah i remember olga corbett too 
But even she didn't get a 10. Nadia was the first. That's right. And that was the 76 Olympics when Nadia did that in, in Montreal. Um, so for my Nulls and Palmer Nulls, I picked Lever, LeVar Burton. And for Palmer, I thought Jim Parsons would be a good Palmer. Bazinga. Yeah, and he could understudy Nadia as well. I think they could both wear the outfits. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, a name nobody knows. It's Jeff with a J Burton, who played Dodge, the uh, black astronaut. Oh, the, excellent. The three astronauts. Excellent. Wow. Oh, man. I will, I'll be impressed if you get Stuart on this list. That'd be so good. I'm not up, am I? Am I up, David? No, you're not. Uh, Carolyn, okay, no. okay. Palmer. I didn't think so. Oh, did I not do my Palmer? It, my oh, you, Palmer you did. I forgot to type it. is Lou, L-O-U, Wagner. He played Lucius, who was the oh. nephew, nephew of Zira, who was yeah. anti-establishment against, because he's the guy that um, Charlton Heston says, don't trust anybody over 30. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's right. And Taylor tells him to like get something and he says something like, you're not the boss of me. Something like that. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. He was very. Yeah. Uh, a lot of attitude. Yeah. A lot of attitude. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't make the cut. He did not make the cut to, you know, return to escape the planet of the apes. <laughs> Poor Lucius. No. no. Oh, that's too bad. Too much lip. <laughs> and Sandra, what do you got for your, uh, well, continuing with all the James Bonds, um, yep. of course, uh, there is, there have been no black James Bonds yet. Um, so hopefully that'll change, but, uh, working with what I got. Um, so for Nulls, I have Timothy Dalton and, uh, for Palmer, I have Pierce Brosnan. Oh, good one. I think he could be twitchy as me. Yeah. And he's got that sort of scrawny build or did have. Yeah. All right. And we're finally c- coming to the end of this. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to next season when we only have to do five. But anyways, um, so <laughs> Troy, what do you got for your child's and Dr. Copper on your Schrodinger? Okay. I have, um, not traditionally an actor as such, but he was, uh, head writer for The Simpsons, The Tonight Show, and former host of, of, of Late Night and The Tonight Show, Conan O'Brien. Oh. That would be funny. Yeah. Actually, so the last two survivors would be Conan O'Brien and Antonio Fargas. And that's just, I, lo- <laughs> I like the way that would look. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And that's again, it wasn't design, or maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, and would you like my doctor Copper? I finally said it. Copper. 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 Not not coop. Not yeah. 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 Copper. Um, I have uh, the redheaded stranger, the token cowboy, Willie Nelson, as my doctor Copper. Willie Nelson. I like it. Yeah. Thank you, random name generator nine thousand. Yeah, it does it. It does it every time. I've got uh, for Childs. I got Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bob Newhart. Oh yeah, as a doctor. That Cop. would be great. 
Yeah, I'm just worried about Bob losing his arms in that <laughs> cavity of whoever it was. Oh, man. I actually now wish Bob Newhart was McReady. And I would just love to hear him give that speech, the speech outside, you know, that we previously uh, played the clip of. That would just be hilarious with the stammering. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great if Bob Newhart, if he was still around and he did the the you know that whole thing where it's a one side of a conversation on the phone yeah and he's the last survivor on that antarctic station <laughs> and he's trying to explain what's <laughs> happened or something like that would be kind of funny oh that would be great we have to do that yeah i don't, I don't do a bob newhart uh imitation but somebody should Yes, it sprung. Uh, it, it sprung this uh, this uh, weird wolf thing, and then it and then it sprouted legs and started moving yeah. away. And 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 it, it just no. Went. I'm not on drugs. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, let's put this puppy to bed. We're almost there. Home stretch, yeah. baby. Uh, home stretch, baby. So here is where Harry Rhodes comes in. And who um, did Harry Rhodes play in in Poda? He was like the assistant to the horrible, horrible man. Who was like uh, um, at Ape Control, the head of Ape Control, and he was oh. kind of the assistant who was kept trying to get him to be more humane. Oh, okay. And then, of course, having to finally appear, Roddy McDowell. We almost needed a podcast episode just on Roddy McDowell and all the genre and all the like Legend of Hell House and everything. Like he's. And also, I think Roddy McDowell was in at least one, if not more, Twilight Zone episodes. And also in uh, Batman, the, the series with Adam West. Yes, bookworm. And he wasn't in Fright Night, was he? Or was it someone? Oh, uh, yeah. What a career. Hold on. I'm wondering. I always confuse Fright Night and one other film. But I think it's House. But I think he was in Fright Night, yes. Yeah. Oh, God, I got to look now. <laughs> you guys go about your business. I will look. And we got the final two with Sandra up for Childs and Dr. Copper. And I'm thinking 007 well, again. Yeah, for all the 007. So for Childs, it's uh, it's got to be Daniel Craig because I love the idea of uh, as Childs and McCready that you'd have Daniel Craig and George Lazenby sitting down talking to each other as the world burns down. I think that that's just great. Mm. Um, and then for uh, Dr. Copper, of course, Sean Connery. Um, yeah. And I also thought, of course, Judy Dench as the computer, obviously. Oh, <laughs> I, I just realized she could have had um, Woody Allen there as well. Woody Allen and uh, David Niven and, um, Peter was Peter Sellers in the original Casino Royale. I, th I think he was. Oh yeah, maybe David Niven would have been fun to have in there. Yeah, but I also thought about uh, like if you instead change it to all women, and then I would have Olivia Colman, Linda Hamilton, Zoe Kravitz, Angela Bassett, Sigourney oh. Weaver, and whoa, Janelle stop Smith. the presses! That's a good one. Yeah, I think that would, I would be a cast, great uh, one. I think I'd cast Janelle Monae as McCready. Ooh. Because she, she could do it. Yeah. Oh, just a final question that we have. Um, but um, 
uh, about our The Thing episode. Is there anything that you may have picked up in the last, say, five or ten years about the movie that you didn't know before that surprised you when you learned about it? I think uh, everything I heard in episode one that I hadn't known before. (laughs) 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 The podcast, I I was just like, what? I didn't know that. I guess what surprised me, actually, which I, I learned like literally just before we did this, that the thing had not been a success when it first came out. Yes. yes. Because I just thought it was so amazing. Yeah. And it was just such like with the films that, that Troy had mentioned, like it was hard because, and we were coming out of a thing where they wanted something like E.T. and, and there were just so many great films that year that it was just hard for people to also include the thing in their um, viewing. Yeah. Um, and and you realize that when you have all of these directors that we mentioned earlier, like JJ Abrams and Tarantino and uh, Edgar Wright, who, who, you know, were hugely influenced by the film when they saw it on video, probably um, that, yeah, those critics were wrong. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this film ha- clearly uh, has resonance and there's a lot there that did inspire people because that's not going to happen with, um, you know, some crappy film. Uh, this thing is the real deal. Absolutely. That, that should have been the tagline for the film, David. I just realized <laughs> this thing is the is the real deal. <laughs> yes. Or they could have used the tagline from... Uh, that cheesy movie, The Wraith, is uh, not from around here. <laughs> wow. Is there anything that you're working on now? Anything that you want to share uh, with us and the listeners? Um, you know, let us know what's going on with you. Anything like that you want to promote? Absolutely. Anything you want to tell us we should, you know what? You should see this film because it's slip off between the tra- oh, cracks. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's slipped between the, the tracks. Ugh. Um, uh, but I, I just saw it and I loved it so much. Uh, 3000 years of longing, uh, which is with the amazing Tilda Swinton and of course Idris Elba. Um, I, I had just gotten over suffering through cats, uh, like a year and a bit ago, which was so terrible. And poor Idris Elba, even he cannot, did not come out of that unscathed. So I was really happy to see him in something else. But it's based on A.S. Byatt's uh, story, The Jinn and the Nightingale's Eye. Um, oh. And it's it's so good. Like, it is just about note perfect in everything. And the two of them just, like, they own the screen together. And it's uh, it's got everything that I like. It's it's magical and strange and wonderful. And, and there's, like, a little bit of romance in it. But it's not, it's not dumb. It's, it's not dumbed down for an American audience. That's the really nice thing. And it's on, uh, I think it's on Prime. Um, so you can watch it uh, at your leisure. It's it's beautiful. Excellent. I've just made note of that. Yeah. And it looks amazing on the screen too. Like it's just lush and, and gorgeous. I, I just looked it up on Wikipedia and it says the film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival on May 20th, 2022, where it received a six minute standing ovation. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I hadn't even heard of it and showed up on Prime and I just read the the synopsis uh, and I thought that sounds like something I'd love. And I did, in fact, love it. And uh, it's just beautifully done. And of course, it's also it's about story and narrative and it has stories within stories, which is always something I, I like. So I'll go with 
a movie that I despised and has now <laughs> been revised and re-released and et cetera, et cetera, like eight times. Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> so is it, is it better now? Very most recent edition is actually good. Really? It'll never be great, in my opinion. Oh. But it's actually good. It's coherent. They, they, they amped up the lighting so you can actually see when you're on that long, long interminable vert, you know. Beauty shot? Feature. You yeah. can see what's in there. Uh. And it's like, cause it was just all dark, cloudy crap. And now you can see it and the ending makes sense and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I would say, you know, you know, give it a try. Is that, is that in, actually in theaters now or is that just really? No, it's, um, we just got it like the, the 4K, okay. uh, director's cut, but they've done other stuff to it as well. And it's like, it's actually, I, when I, I sat down and watched it with my husband and it was like, wow, that was better than any of the other stupid versions you maybe sit down and watch. <laughs> it was better than oh, cats. Oh, yeah. Better yeah, better than cats, you'd see it again and again. Yeah, cats, that's that was not good. But it was bad enough that it was funny. No. Oh no, we laughed. We no, laughed. I mean there were parts of it that were funny, but it was such an intolerable mess. And also it fell like the CGI really didn't work well and it fell into that uncanny valley that yeah. just it just creeped me out and Poor Idris Elba being put into tights just it was not. I just, ah. Yeah, that terrible. was the sad thing. It was it was embarrassing. You know? Oh, I know. And then all the the really really bad jokes with James Corden and Rebel Wilson, which I heard were actually improvised, or some of that was improvised. And I thought, well, not improvised. Well, ugh. Oh, yeah. it was bad. I never in my wildest dreams did I think our two part. Thing episode would end with cats discussion. <laughs> well, it is kind of, <laughs> but you know, it's like the random name generator. Just things yeah. happen. Things happen, baby. Yeah. Well, I would uh, if we're all sort of throwing out recent films that we might like. Uh, I would throw in Dungeons and Dragons. Really, uh, I saw a week or two ago. Um, oh, okay. Really good. I mean, other than the fact that the main character loses his wife. Uh, and tries to get her back, which found me to be a bit too close to the, to, uh, what I've experienced. But mm. it's so well written, so well acted, and it's so much fun. It's just so, oh. it's, it's, Who knew? yeah, it was just really good. <laughs> We're getting dangerously close to this becoming a three parter. We're going to have to do, we're going to have to do that thing where I play the show at one and a half times speed <laughs> in order to get it in. Um, well, thanks Carolyn and Sandra for our, being our special guests. Thank you for having us. It's been yes. great fun. A lot of fun. It was great having you both here and Sandra. I know you weren't feeling well, so thanks, uh, you know, for for sticking it out for a two-parter. Anytime. And Carolyn, welcome for your first time around, your first kick at the can. So mm -hmm. glad glad to have you. Um, 
Yeah, and it's amazing what four poets can do. Uh, <laughs> it's an all poetry jam. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that should have been the tagline for the thing. Just, it's amazing what four poets can do. <laughs> just to really confuse people. Yeah. yeah, I need a dreamcast of just poets. But anyways, so uh, that's the thing episode part two. Remember to catch us on your favorite podcast provider. Um, Spotify is a good way to go, I'll say. Um, our website is 2numeric2of.ca. And our Facebook page is Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. There's a lot of fun there. Always uh, come chat with us, comment. Tell us what you think. I am David Clank. And I am Troy Arkin. You are for our next episode of Two Old Farts. Talk sci-fi. You gotta be fucking kidding.